Good evening, grave robbers, and welcome back to the television graveyard. We are still your TV necromancers, Laura Prince and Noah Houlihan. We have come here tonight to examine the spirits of past television shows, to find out which ones could be resurrected, should be resurrected, and which ones should just stay doomed. This is a podcast in which we analyze the history, the hype, and the aftermath of shows that ran only one season, only one episode, or ones that were just plain odd. With me, as always, is TV's Noah Houlihan. You're a slut for opportunity. You're blowing every chance. You really wanted to say that mm-hmm. one. Are we are we in the television graveyard? Or are we mm. in the wrestling boneyard? Yes, I guess we are in the wrestling boneyard. Yeah. So this is a very special episode. Basically, what we decided to do is... This is like a moment in entertainment history that will never happen again. We hope. We hope. But in a time where literally every live event had to be canceled because of the COVID-19 pandemic, WrestleMania still happened with no fans. Exactly. So we decided we would take a look at this, evaluate it, and decide whether it should have gone on. Or if it ha- should have stayed doomed when it got canceled from being in the uh, the Tampa Stadium. And uh, should have just stayed canceled. So it still fits the format of our show. But uh, if you're new to wrestling, that's what's going on. And if you're new to the podcast because you wanted to listen to a wrestling podcast, that's usually the theme of our show. <laughs> so it was too big for one night. Yes, which is already a lie. Because the reason it was two nights is because of the COVID-19 pandemic. Because had it not been the the pandemic, it would have been NXT TakeOver and or the Hall of Fame on Saturday, not WrestleMania. That's true. So that is the first big change, is that this was spread over two nights. The other big change would be that it's in the Performance Center of the WWE with no fans. Yeah, and like the Performance Center for WWE is a very nice state-of-the-art facility, but it is still kind of just like their gym. Yeah, it can only be so nice because it's not meant to be a performance space. Despite the word performance being in the title of the It's to learn the performance and it's to learn how to speak, how to move, how Mm -hmm. to wrestle. Exactly. How to rehab for a lot of them. A lot of them go back there... um, a lot of wrestlers have to go back to the performance center after injury. It's where they kind of go to get their groove back. Yeah, usually that space has four rings in it. And they had to make it look like a performance space. But there's usually four rings, one of which is actually a foam pit. What? Yeah, it's four learning top rope moves. Okay, all I want to do <laughs> is... Do top rope moves badly into a foam pit. Yeah, it sounds awesome, right? It does. <laughs> so we're going to go through these match by match. Uh, we're not going to spend a lot of time on each match. We're not going to do the evaluation like we do an episode. We're just going to give you a brief synopsis. And... I think there'll be some matches we talk about more than others. Yes. Um, so let's start with night one. Night one. We have to talk about the kickoff show because of yes, your personal connection yes. to so, it. Yes, so... 
the kickoff show was Cesaro versus Drew Gulak in a match that had some build because Drew Gulak was teaming with uh, Daniel Bryan, who was facing Sami Zayn, who is friends with Cesaro. So it's, you know. Sure. What do you mean, sure? Makes enough sense. Yeah. It's wrestling sensible. Yeah, so my friend is fighting your friend, so we're fighting. Yeah. The thing is... I mean, uh, all girls know that's how that works. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, The company I work for... uh, (laughs) I'll just say, yeah. In working for Chikara, these are two Chikara boys. They were both teachers at the Wrestle Factory. And, you know, to see them go from Chikara to the grandest stage of them all at WrestleMania... Well, it's still the, it's still WrestleMania. It's not ideal, but it is still WrestleMania. It's amazing to see these two get to have a match at WrestleMania. Yes. So they have a great match. It's weird without a crowd, but mm-hmm. it's still a great match. And the story that they tell is Drew Gulak attacks Cesaro's arm. Cesaro's finishing maneuver, the neutralizer... Requires him to have the strength in his arms to pick you up. Yeah. But since the arm has been injured, he's unable to perform the neutralizer. Right. So he picks up Drew Gulak and does what far too many people are calling an armless uh, airplane spin. Mm -hmm. But it is a very common move that Cesaro used to do back when he was in the independent wrestling scene known as Claudio Castagnoli. It's called the UFO. Where he picks you up, he holds you on his shoulders, and then spins you so fast that he can let go. And the centrifugal force just keeps you on his shoulders. That's bananas. Yeah, it's an unbelievable move. Uh, And he beats Drew Gulak with it. And I get a little bit emotional. because cries. You weren't here I walked in right as it was ending and you were crying. In any case, the UFO is a move that uh, Cesaro doesn't do very often. And when asked why, he said because UFOs are very rarely seen. But it's also because he was waiting for a very special moment to break out this big move. This is something that a lot of wrestlers do. Uh, This is Daniel Bryan doing cattle mutilation. This is Stone Cold doing the Million Dollar Dream. This is like, the idea is there's a move that's like deep in their repertoire that they only need to pull out in like times of desperation. Okay. Uh, and the the fact that he used it against Drew Gulak at WrestleMania, it's very, very sweet. Also, I then tweet out, oh, this makes perfect sense. Cesaro does the UFO. When there is very little witnesses and people can say, ah, oh, it was just a camera trick. This makes perfect sense. And Cesaro liked my tweet. Yay! So it was a very nice day for old Noah over here. The next match was the Women's Tag Team Championship, the Kabuki Warriors versus Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross. Yeah, this is the first match where it's very clear that they really didn't have time to build this match. Like, the the way that this match... Because also, on top of this having no fans, 
all of WWE programming has had no fans for three weeks. Right. So it's been all these very weird shows. And basically this match is happening because Alexa Bliss was like, Hey, I want those tag titles. And uh, Asuka yelled in Japanese. Yeah, I think they were expecting Kyrie's gimmick to carry the build for this match. Yes. Because Kyrie Sane has a pirate princess gimmick. Mm-hmm. And WrestleMania was supposed to be, because it's in Tampa, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, mm-hmm. it was supposed to be essentially low-key pirate-themed. Yeah. it was. It, well, I mean, the whole opening was pirate-themed. So. Yeah, but the, like, the actual show, as it turned out, really wasn't. True. Like, I'm sure the intended WrestleMania ramp mm-hmm. would have been, like, a cool pirate ship. I'm sure somebody True. would have come out in, like, a cannon. Yeah, we, we would have gotten all of that fun as well. Uh, but... In the end, uh, we have new tag team champions in a match that is only really remarkable by the fact that it's clearly a few takes edited together. Yeah. Because it's very clear at so uh, Nikki Cross wears a vest that she unzips at one point and then throughout the match is in different states of unzipped. Yes. Which gives away that it's like, oh, this is all chopped up and cut together that feels weird yeah but yeah i i I mean i can see why they do it i I mean i see why they do it but that so isn't what wrestling is right so it feels weird to be like oh this is a tv show now instead of it being sports entertainment okay and there's a moment in it that really upsets me is when nikki cross actually unzips her vest, Mm -hmm. she screams like a crazy person. And Michael Cole on commentary just goes, To each her own. He is the only voice that is a spectator that we can hear. And he kind of buries Nikki a little. Well, he's just basically saying, I'm not interested in this. Mm. And if that's the react, like, we have nothing else to feed off of besides the performers themselves. Without the crowd there, like... Michael Cole is supposed to be guiding us on what our emotions should be. You're right. Like, what she he should have been saying in that moment is like, Nikki Cross, feeling it. This could be the moment. They could recapture the tag titles again here at WrestleMania. Instead, it's, eh. Yeah. It, it's very disappointing. Um, yeah, it's not great. I like Bliss and Cross. I'm a filthy casual. I also really like Asuka and Kyrie, so I was kind of happy with everybody in this match. Um, I I mean, this match was 20 minutes. Like, yeah, it, that was a bit long. It was a bit long. The next one was King Corbin versus Elias. King Corbin is one of those rare true heels of like you just uh, you just want to kill him. Yeah, you just want to punch him in his stupid face. It, like, and this, that's his job. That yeah, he's great at that job. But the story here is King Corbin threw Elias off a balcony. He throws him like 15 feet off a balcony onto the concrete floor. Yeah. It is like believed that Elias can barely walk. Yeah, like it should have killed or at least seriously injured him. Yeah. So there's kind of this moment where they're like, Elias isn't coming out. Count to 10 and I'll win by forfeit. And then Elias just comes out. Like, they kind of set up, like, there's going to be a surprise here. Yeah. But it was just Elias again. 
And it was just surprise Elias, which is fine. Uh, Elias comes out, hits him with a guitar before the match starts, so he doesn't get disqualified. A very basic match happens. Elias wins, and I actually get to hear his theme music, which is a thing that doesn't happen very often. Oh my god, I didn't even register that we heard his theme music. Well, because he usually plays himself to the ring, but he can't play himself out of the ring. Because he's usually smashed his guitar. Yeah, and he this is no exception. So we actually get to hear his music. Uh, but yeah, th- this match didn't really do anything for me. It didn't feel like a WrestleMania match. It felt like a match that you would see on Raw or even Superstars. Yeah, this didn't feel like a big WrestleMania match. Yeah. And I think that's a lot of what they had trouble with in the show, was making things feel like a big WrestleMania match. Yeah. And speaking of big, there's one major thing that we forgot to mention. Hmm. Rob Gronkowski is hosting. Who is... Do you you actually know it? Who is Rob Gronkowski? He is a football player. Or was a football player. Right. And now he is a wrestler. (laughs) What team did he play for? I don't know. The Cincinnati I Don't Cares. No, it was not the Cincinnati I Don't Cares. It wasn't the Eagles. It was not the Eagles. So I don't care. He was a patriot. Oh, well, screw him. So he is a multi, like, Super Bowl winning tight end. Ugh. He's usually on my fantasy team. I usually try to pick Gronk immediately. Well, bully for Gronk. But he's also a bit of a smuck. Yeah, I... Didn't he... Did he uh, host the Kid Choice Sports Awards one year? Yes, he did. Because he also hosted... See, I knew who he was. Don't give me any crap. I don't think I was giving you crap. He also hosted a show on Nickelodeon that was like the wackiest sports from all around the world. Yeah. And it was like, yeah, look at the weird like tree throwing and cricket spitting. And here's some wrestling ants. Because Chikara appeared on that show. Oh, that's wild. (laughs) So yeah, that's our tie to... I'm like one degree of separation away from Rob Gronkowski. Great. So the next match... (laughs) Yes. ...is uh, the Raw Women's Championship match. And it feels so strange to put this so early. I thought this was going to main event. Yeah, this was... Becky Lynch is one of their biggest stars right now, if not Mm -hmm. their biggest star. Yeah. So having this not at least close to main event... Seemed like a very weird choice. Yes. Now and it was Becky versus Shayna Baszler. Yes. NXT upstart who was also a cage fighter. And she is a tough person. Yeah, she's 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 a badass. She she hurts people. That's kind of her thing. And uh Becky Lynch shows up outside of the arena in this big rig truck that's personalized with her face on it. Mm-hmm. Which she should have driven to the ring had WrestleMania actually happened. Yeah, probably. And this is when I start to like realize, I wonder if we're going to see any big WrestleMania entrances. Right. And the answer is no. No, we really we don't. We never do. We don't get anything that's the quality we would expect. Yeah. Uh, we actually made the comment of, there was very little special gear. Uh, yeah, I have, a, I have a whole thing about that later. Okay. Uh, but we actually get special gear in this match. Mm-hmm. Shayna Baszler comes out in gear inspired by the title. That's why she's all red. Oh. She's trying to look like the WWE Women's Champion. I kind of just... Championship. 
<laughs> I kind of just assumed she was going to be Iron Man because in NXT, they're all superheroes all the time. <laughs> yeah, that is true. There's like three different NXT superstars who have used Captain Marvel gear. Yeah, they're big Captain Marvel and fans. And like not there. even like a nod to it. Like the one girl is just straight up in the neon Captain Marvel yeah, gear. Yeah, and, and like that's not even special appearance gear for Tegan Knox anymore. That's, that's just, just her gear. That's just her gear now. It was probably expensive. Yeah, that's true. I remember re- seeing an interview with Charlotte where she talks about like the first WrestleMania coat. Mm-hmm. And she was like, yeah, it took me forever to pay that off. <laughs> and like the idea that she had to like put it on her credit card just kind of tickled me in a weird way. I'm yeah. like, oh, stars, they're just like us. They need bad <laughs> impulse buys. Yeah. Uh, so they have this match that is hard hitting. It's pretty good. Uh, but basically what happened with Becky Lynch mm-hmm. is Becky Lynch won the title last year at WrestleMania. And it was a huge deal. And she beat Charlotte and Ronda Rousey. Yes. And ever since then, there really wasn't anyone who could believably beat Becky Lynch. It's true. Because she was like top tier. So like Asuka kind of put up a good fight, but like her, she had feuds with like Lacey Evans. Yeah. And like there was never a moment where you're like, oh, Becky's going to lose. Until now. Yeah, because Shayna Baszler had done nothing but wreck everything in her path. Yeah. And it's not uncommon for WWE to just like, just push a an, an incoming NXT superstar to the moon. Yeah, so she's coming in as a monster. Right. And during this match, she's being a monster. She picks up Becky and just swings her into the table violently a few times. Yeah, it's rough. It's wild. And then she catches her in the, her choke move. The, I think it's the Coquita Clutch. And Becky kind of does a somersault backwards. It's the Kiri Fuda Clutch? The Kiri Fuda Clutch, you're correct. And Becky does like a somersault backwards, puts all of her weight on Shayna's shoulders, and pins her one, two, three. Yeah. While like, I am a Becky Lynch fan, mm-hmm. the, the two major problems I have with this is... One, I love the fact that, like, Shayna Baszler's weakness is she's a really good fighter, but she's not the best pro wrestler yet. Yeah. So, like, she knows how to go in there and just destroy you and kill you. But there are specific things about pro wrestling she hasn't gotten. There are exploits that a good wrestler can get out of her. Yeah. Like, she's not used to being in there with, like, rope breaks. And, like, she can strangle you without having to worry about having her shoulders on the mat in in a cage fight. Right. But there is a problem here. Uh, Which I like. But they did this exact same finish in NXT with Ember Moon. I believe while we were there. Yeah, I believe I think that, that was, was in Philly. I think that was Takeover Philly. Uh, and two, in beating Shayna, my next thought is, well, now who can beat Becky? Like you made this giant monster that Becky is now slayed. It's like, well, I really don't think she's gonna have a problem with, I don't know, Liv Morgan now. Yeah, like I can't imagine who's gonna be. Like, I can't even imagine who else they could call up from NXT. Yeah, I mean, maybe Bianca Belair. But, like, it's just, it's it's very confusing time. Now, we're recording this before the next Raw. 
Like we're not watching the Raw after Mania. Yes, so we, we have no idea what's this. gonna happen. So for like for all we know, you know, uh Ronda Rousey came back and is currently strangling uh <laughs> Becky Lynch. Um but yeah, it, it's one of those things where I don't dislike it, but I'm also like confused on how things are going to continue, which is not bad. It's not a bad thing to watch a show and be like, well, what happens next? That's how you should feel. Yeah. It's just like, like I don't have the faith that they're going to have an answer for that. Yeah. And then the next one, the next match is the IC title match. It felt kind of crappy that the women's championship was before the IC and the tag team for men. Yes. I will say that from like a booking perspective, uh, this is a cool down match, the IC title. Yeah. Like this is being placed here because the Becky match is great. And then we have the ladder match after this, right? Um, yes. So like this match, they kind of know is not going to be great. Because there's a bunch of like run-ins and shenanigans. Yeah. Uh, this kind of, this match kind of just bumps me out because it's Daniel Bryan versus Sami Zayn, and Sami Zayn is an amazing wrestler, but they treat him like he's never been in a wrestling match before, and all he wants to do is run away. Yeah, Zayn and Bryan like this is a dream match. Yeah. Um, but we never really get to see them wrestle. And I I love Zayn's current. Uh, character. Uh, he, Nakamura, and Cesaro are the artists' collective, mm-hmm. and his interactions with Nakamura in particular are just amazing. Because Nakamura does not seem to actually like Zayn that much. He's like, "This is my best friend who I hate." Yeah, and like that dynamic is very funny, and Zayn really plays into being like this obnoxious. He's your little brother's obnoxious friend. Mm-hmm. And like, I love that character. And they could have done some really good stuff with Daniel Bryan, who's eminently likable. Yeah. My feeling towards this is I feel like so, th- this got messed up because of COVID. Yeah. Because I think like they were trying to limit the number of people touching each other. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like all these people that are at ringside, Cesaro... Uh, Nakamura, Drew Gulak, they all should have been in this match. Not just, like, dressing to this match. So I think there's a good chance that had this COVID-19 not uh, thing not happened, we would have seen maybe a five-way match of some sort, some sort of scramble match or yeah. something. But instead we get this one-on-one match that just kind of leaves us feeling a little empty. Yeah, it's not super, super great. Um, the next thing is the ladder match. Yes. Now, this one has big COVID issues. Huge COVID issues. Uh, This is supposed to be the tag team champion match between three tag teams, but there are three men in it. Yeah, there should be six, because that's how tag teams work. Yeah. This is the result of The Miz getting sick? Yes. And because The Miz is sick, John Morrison, his tag team partner, will not have to go it alone. Which means that everyone has to go it alone. So only one of the Usos was able to compete. Jimmy. And uh, Kofi Kingston competes for him and Big E as part of the New Day. Yes. 
So already you're kind of in this weird feeling of like, is someone going to become the tag team champion without being in this match? I am the tag team champions. But like... Remember that? Yes, I do remember that. But like... I watch wrestling, everybody. It doesn't seem satisfying. Fair. That like... Like, I have to say, it's just say, like, Miz and Morrison end up retaining here. Yes. But, like, would it have been satisfying for Kofi to win this match and then Big E to just kind of walk down the ramp and be like, I'm the champion now? Yeah. That doesn't feel right. Also, there are no disqualifications in a ladder match. Mm-hmm. So there's also no reason why Big E or Jey Uso could just... Be in the match. Or just mess with the match. Exactly. <laughs> they could just come and interfere is what I'm saying. Uh, these guys try to put on a really good match. Yeah, like Jomo does some really cool stuff. He yeah. does that Spanish fly rope run. Yeah, John Morrison walks the top rope from corner to corner and then grabs, I believe it was Kofi. Yes. And hits a Spanish fly. And my immediate thought was, I wonder how many takes that was. Oh, because I started realizing like they're doing a lot of things with high risk of error in this match. Yeah, because they know if they screw it up, they can just do it again. That makes sense. On top of that, did you notice throughout this match, there was a lot of times where people fell off of ladders and out of frame? I did not notice that. I noticed this quite a few times that anytime someone took a big fall. They fell out of frame. Onto what was probably a lot of crash pads. Because they were probably falling to a crash pad. Which, like, my brain says, oh, that's good. It's nice that these people aren't taking, like, huge risks with their lives here. Right. But also, this isn't wrestling anymore. Okay. Because, like, it's kind of like, you know... I like Nitro Circus because they do all the stunts. Yeah. I don't get the same joy from Nitro Circus that I do from like Fast and the Furious because I was like, well, it's CG. Yeah. Like you don't get the same kind of like rush. I don't know. This this match is one of the ones that feels really weird. Yeah. But I kind of get how much they want to not risk anyone physically with how overtaxed the hospitals are. True. And with the idea of, like, you don't really want anyone to get injured at this mania. Well, we, like, there's also this feeling... This mania doesn't feel worth getting injured for. There's also this weird feeling is, I know everything's pre-taped. Mm-hmm. So, like, I know nobody gets injured. Yeah. So, like... There's a lot of time where I'm watching wrestling and I'm horrified because I'm afraid for someone's like actual safety. Yeah. And that doesn't happen at all this WrestleMania, which is probably for the better. But it also means if someone got hurt, we would have heard about it on like Tuesday. Yeah. And then there would have been like five days of this person, you know, being in the hospital, getting treated while fans are like, they should have never had WrestleMania. Yeah. <laughs> so... I understand why they took every precaution. Yeah. Like, I know it doesn't... It ruined some of the magic. Mm-hmm. But this was not a magical WrestleMania. No. Except for this next match. 
KO and Seth Rollins? Yeah. Oh, excuse me. There was the 24-7 championship before that. Oh, yes, that's right. Uh, R-Truth. Who I love. Yeah, he's the 24-7 champion. That belt must be defended at all times. He gets punched by Rob Gronkowski. And then Rob's buddy, Mojo Raleigh, steals the pinfall and just leaves. Yep. And Rob's upset, but not enough to, like, go after him. Yeah, I saw something funny about the idea that, like, R-Truth just doesn't know about social distancing because he's been hiding with the belt. <laughs> so he's been in self-imposed quarantine for some time. He's just walking around like, where is everyone? So the next one is KO and Seth Rollins. Yes. Uh, this match is good. Uh, yes, it is. Yeah, they, they've had, this has been one that had a lot of build. Their build had started before the Royal Rumble. So they had build with fans, which is great. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of uh, Seth's lackeys had gotten injured, but he had like formed a cult with uh, the authors of Pain and uh, Buddy Murphy, not just known as Murphy. Yeah, he's the Monday Night Messiah. Yes. And Kevin Owens is sick of it and they're going to have a fight. Yeah. Uh, this match ends with a disqualification when Seth hits him with the bell. And like giggles because Seth is known for his laugh. Mm-hmm. His uh, little weasel evil laugh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Kevin Owens says, I want this match to continue. Uh, no disqualification. Seth says, sure. And it ends with Seth getting thrown onto the announce table and Kevin Owens jumping off the WrestleMania sign. Which is cool. And we see all of it. Yeah. Like, there's no cutaway gimmicks this time. Like, that actually happened. Yeah, it's wild. And, like, I know it it doesn't make any sense, but my immediate thought was, he shouldn't be doing that. (laughs) Not at this mania. He shouldn't be doing that. See, there's no making you happy. No, there's no. I'm a a wrestling fan. Ugh. But uh, it's, it's good storytelling in that, like... Kevin Owens has had the chance to jump off of high things many, many times and has always wussed out. Yeah. But this time he did it. That's kind of fun. Yep. I'm watching the GIF right now. Yeah, it's it's pretty wild. Yeah, and like Seth Rollins gets a good bounce. Yeah, he's a good 10 feet in the air. Yeah. 10, 15 feet. Probably 15. Yeah. The next match is the Universal Championship match. This happened. Yeah. Uh, this needed the crowd. This, this super needed the crowd. Uh, though I almost think the crowd would shit on this match. Oh, yeah, but it would have been more entertaining to, for me to watch them do that than this. <laughs> uh, Goldberg versus Braun Strowman in a match that has zero build. Build. This was another COVID-19 casualty because Roman Reigns was supposed to be the challenger for the title. Uh, Roman, Reign, uh, Roman Reigns recovered from leukemia last year, mm-hmm. which because of the treatment for leukemia, he would have been counted as immunocompromised and for reasons that should be pretty obvious, didn't want to take that kind of risk. Mm-hmm. He's probably in like, I mean, everyone's social distancing now, everyone's in isolation but he was probably in like super quarantine. Yeah. Because he would be a high risk complications population. Yeah. Roman Reigns got raked over the coals for this decision too. There was a lot of wrestling fans that were like, oh, you just don't want to do this because there's not going to be fans. 
You're That's not a real gross. wrestler. It's unbelievable what people were saying. Like, no, he doesn't want to get the Rona and die yeah. of leukemia-related complications. I, I fully support Roman Reigns not doing this match. And after seeing this match, God, it would suck if Roman Reigns got the Rona for, to yeah, do this match. this match. So here's the thing. The reason that... Thankless. That Roman versus Goldberg kind of makes sense is they both do a spear. Yeah. So it's kind of like who has the better spear is the match. Edge. Uh, true. But Braun Strowman with no build was just kind of like, oh, why is this happening? And like Braun Strowman, the best thing about him is the build to his matches. When he's like flipping cars yeah. and like doing crazy Destroying crap. Destroying stuff. Uh, Goldberg hits three spears and then goes for a jackhammer, which gets reversed into three power slams. And then the match is over. Yep, it was quick. To me, what this says is... Uh, one... Okay. Uh, one, this match shouldn't have happened. Like, I don't see a reason why this match should happen. Unless, and this is what I personally believe, Goldberg agreed to do WrestleMania and nothing else. Goldberg is a part-timer, so... Like, he was like, I'll come back for Saudi Arabia, and then after WrestleMania... I am done. And the fact that he was probably unwilling to compromise on that means he had to lose the belt at WrestleMania to someone. Yeah. So, like, it it's, creates just, like, a very, I don't know, underwhelming feeling. Because, like... The story with the belt is usually supposed to be one of your biggest stories of the year. Exactly. And... This had no build, and we don't have that emotional connection to this story. Yeah. I'm, We're like, this is fine. I'm going to have more to say about this one later, so I'll, I'll put a pin in this so we can go to the Boneyard. Yeah, and then the super main event, the main main event, is uh, the Boneyard match. I This was one of the few things that I thought really benefited from mm-hmm. this situation. Uh, if you've seen the... Uh, Matt Hardy great deletion match. Yeah, the, the final, final deletion. deletion. Uh, this feels like a less fun version of that. Yeah, this, this... Nothing is going to be as fun as that. True. This is... Uh, it's more of a movie. Yeah, it's AJ Styles and The Undertaker. AJ Styles rolls up in a hearse. Undertaker rolls up with Metallica playing on a motorcycle. And... Immediately, AJ tries to kill him with a brick. Yeah, like you do. And Undertaker counters it, and they just kind of punch each other for a while. Yes. Uh, until they throw AJ into a grave. Yep. But AJ's running buddies are there, the club, mm-hmm. Gallows and Anderson, and they say, oh, we're just getting started. And then They throw Taker into a grave. No, AJ goes in the grave first. Oh, okay. You're right. Because... Uh, the club says we're just getting started, and these walls explode, and a bunch of druids come out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which, druids are usually, like, Taker's thing. But no, they're just going to attack the Undertaker now. They are literally the enemies in a video game. They're putties. They're putties, yeah. So, Undertaker knocks out a bunch of putties, and then goes to work on Gallows and Anderson, and then AJ somehow had gotten out of the grave. 
and attacks the Undertaker and breaks his finger punching the Undertaker? I guess. There's a moment where he punches him in the face so hard that he rolls off and he goes, ah! And there's a close-up of him jamming his finger back into place. He's like, that just broke my finger! Yeah, and Taker gets cut somewhere. Taker accidentally punches a hole through the hearse. Ah. And cuts his arm up. And he's like, boy, you made me bleed. Son of a bitch. So they they fight a lot. Um, And then Styles gets Taker in the open grave. Yes. And he's planning to uh, drive a dirt mover over it and dump a bunch of dirt in the grave. It's yes. not enough dirt. It's not enough to fill a six-foot hole, but it's some dirt. It's some dirt. And then while AJ Styles is laughing about his soon murder that's about to take place, the Undertaker magically appears behind him. Yep, it's a great gif. You've probably seen the reaction gif. It's good. Uh, they fight some more. Undertaker ends up <laughs> with the advantage. He grabs AJ by the throat. And AJ starts saying, don't bury me. Don't bury me. Please don't bury me. Don't bury me, bro. And Undertaker goes, I'm not going to bury you. You got a lot of fight in you, kid. I haven't had a fight like this in a while. And they hug? Yeah. And, like, Undertaker, like, plays with AJ's hair for a bit. It's very strange. And he's like, I'm not going to bury him. Good job, kid. And he lets him go. And he takes, like, two steps. And then he kicks him into the hole and buries him anyway. Like you do. And then we end night one of WrestleMania on The Undertaker just leaving on a motorcycle. And AJ Styles dead. With the, the magically uh, the Undertaker symbol appearing on the weird house they were in front of. It's a it's you know your neighbor who has like the really obnoxious Christmas light laser. Yeah, on their it's that, but the it's Taker that, cross. But it's the Undertaker symbol. Uh, symbol. Uh, I've heard nothing but positive things about this match from the wrestling community. It was fun. It is fun and like it's not great wrestling. It's but it's it felt. Vintage in a very satisfying way. And like, it's the best way to use The Undertaker. The Undertaker, I think, is best suited for this kind of situation now. Mm-hmm. Uh, his last few wrestling matches have been fine. Yeah. Um, this felt like Taker. Yeah. The, that, but therein lies my problem. The Phenom, the Dead Man. Yeah. It, it is very phenom, Undertaker, dead man, rest in peace. What in this match made it an AJ Styles match? He didn't want none. No, he wanted a lot. <laughs> Gallows and Anderson were there. Exactly. That is the only thing that makes it an AJ Styles match. He doesn't jump off of anything high. He never hits a Styles class because there's no wrestling in this. There is no re- you could have taken AJ Styles out of this match and replaced him with Rollins and just changed the goons over to uh, the authors of pain and nothing in that match would have to change. It's true. And, and honestly, it would have made a little bit more sense to have the whole Monday Night Messiah versus the Undertaker thing. That's true. So I think as I think Taker wanted to fight Styles. Taker did want to fight Styles. Uh, that actually came out in uh, after the Goldberg match he had in Saudi Arabia, which was terrible. Yes. Uh, he was talking to Kurt Angle. 
Mm-hmm. And Undertaker was like, I really need to redeem myself. And Undertaker, or Kurt, Kurt Angle was like, have you thought about fighting AJ? It'll be the best match you've had in years. I just, and that is true. And if the whole point is to redeem the Undertaker, then sure. It would have been nice to give him something that made, that showed us that AJ was phenomenal. Yeah. Because really, this is an Undertaker showcase match. Yeah, Phenom versus the Phenomenal One. And, and yeah, it, it didn't really I think a lot do of, anything for AJ. A lot of Taker matches have suffered from bad build. The last handful of WrestleManias. Right. Um, it's because Taker's not working anything approaching an even more than partial schedule. Yeah. Like, it, he used to show up from, like, Rumble to Mania. Mm-hmm. Now he's only showing up, like, two, three times maybe yeah. before Mania, and those builds are suffering. Uh, Bray Wyatt, I recall. Mm-hmm. He did the build alone. He And did an admirable job of it. I don't think The Undertaker showed up at all yeah. <laughs> during that build. So, like, his matches are suffering. He is going on that he is the Undertaker. Yes. So it's we're in this weird situation of had there not been the COVID outbreak, this would have never happened. He would have had a match. And this match would have sucked. And it probably would have sucked. It probably would have been a better match for AJ. Yeah. Because AJ would have been able to do AJ things. Yeah. There would have been ropes for him to use, but it probably wouldn't have been as good for the Undertaker. Or the audience. Yeah, that's, a, that's We were at least sports entertained we by this. We were pretty sports entertained. I don't think we would have been sports entertained by the match. Mm. Uh, and the entrances would have been fun, because I'm sure they would have given AJ a pretty decent entrance. Um, and Taker always has a pretty phenomenal entrance. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got to see one of his coolest ones firsthand, because oh, yeah. his one for 29. Out of the grave and the hand reaching. Yeah. That was crap your pants scary to see firsthand. When you could also... Because we could also kind of see the like the rest of the people mm-hmm. a little bit. Ugh. That was cool. So that was night one. That was night one. Night two. Night two, I have one thing to say about this match. Liv Morgan versus Natalia is yeah. the kickoff show match. This is a match that would have never happened had uh, COVID-19 not been around. There'd been no reason for this match. This match had no build. And Liv Morgan wins, which I think says to me, Liv Morgan would have won the Battle Royal. Yeah. Because I'm guessing, based on who I'm seeing winning in in these weird single matches that kind of happen for no reason, Liv Morgan was supposed to win the Women's uh, WrestleMania Battle Royal, and Aleister Black was supposed to win the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. That makes sense. That's all I have to say. Moving on. Uh, yeah. Liv Morgan, they still don't really know what they're doing with her. Not a clue. I I feel like she and Mandy Rose still look too similar in a lot of ways. Yeah, and Liv Morgan used to have pink hair that, like, really separated her. Yeah. But, like, she used to be, like, this weird, like, bubblegum anarchist, which was a great character. Yeah, she was Harley Quinny. Yes. And now she's something else. Yeah, they they haven't figured it out yet, and I don't know that she's figured it out either. Meanwhile, Natalia's current gimmick is Carol from Tiger King. Yeah, she, she's cat lady. And she's leaning into it. Like, mm-hmm. she's tweeting things like, hello, all you cool cats and kittens. Mm-hmm. 
the first one, the first match of this night is the NXT Women's Championship. Yes. And this was Rhea Ripley versus Charlotte Flair. Yes. We we get some cool gear out of this one as yes. Rhea Ripley shows up as Vegeta. Yeah, I I didn't catch that it was Vegeta, but I loved her gear. <laughs> I didn't either until way too late. Like white and blue. Weird. Oh, she's Vegeta. It was an unusual color scheme. I I got the impression it was a reference to something because it was such an unusual color scheme. Mm-hmm. But uh, I really liked Rhea's gear. Yeah. The, they have a great match that is all about Charlotte destroying Rhea Ripley's leg. Yeah. And uh, in the end, uh, Charlotte hits the figure eight leg lock. In the bridge, yeah. And Rhea has to tap out. Mm-hmm. So I, it feels a little bit weird in that Rhea Ripley was the one that showed up and was like, hey, fight me for my title. Like she was the one that was like, you won the Royal Rumble, you can challenge for any title. Challenge for mine. See if you can step up to mine. And then she just loses clean. It's really damaging to a babyface character to just fail. Yeah. With Without, like, cause. <laughs> yeah, and, like, Charlotte is the heel and just wins clean. And just wins. And, like, I can see how it can be good for NXT for her to go there. And for it to be this, like, well, who's going to be the one who beats Charlotte now? Yeah. Who's going to be the upcoming women's star that beats Charlotte? But for Rhea not to, like, there was no cheating, nothing, for her to just kind of lose at WrestleMania. Like, oh. Like, I don't think, like, there was nothing in it that made me think she deserves a rematch. No. It's a very interesting choice by the WWE, and I'm I'm interested to see how they fix Rhea Ripley now. Yeah. Because she's now, like, greatly damaged. Yeah, and I really like Rhea Ripley. Me too. This is my brutality. Um, my ne- The next match is Aleister Black versus Bobby Lashley. Yes, in the I Should Have Won the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal match. Yeah, this match has doesn't make sense. There's not a reason for it to happen. Uh, Lana's look in this is just weird. Lana looks terrible. Lana used to be amazing, and now she looks terrible. Yeah, like they... Her fashion choices have gotten less and less good. I had the thought of, she used to just wear the suits when she was with Rusev. Yeah, she was the ravaging Russian. And she could get away with owning a handful of suits. Mm -hmm. Like three or four and cycling them out. Because it's a red suit, a blue suit, a white suit, Mm -hmm. whatever. I feel like she now feels that she has to have different clothing every time she goes to the ring. Mm Mm-hmm. Because I actually, I feel like her outfits are getting cheaper looking. She looks like the Long Island medium. Yeah, like, not that she looks cheap, but like that her clothing looks... She doesn't have that, like, high-class, ravishing Russian Mm -hmm. look. She now kind of looks like the girl that you freak out when she talks to your boyfriend. Yeah. You're like, Like, oh, I really don't want you talking to him. She lost that air of, like, classiness and, like superiority yeah she doesn't seem innately superior to you anymore yeah like she's a girl you get into a fight with at a bar mm-hmm. um and i know we're talking a lot more about her than the match but so does the wwe yeah not a whole lot goes on in this match uh, alistair black's great yeah i like him i like him a lot he wins good for him 
Uh, but he wins because Lana's not good at stuff. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the next match is Otis and Dolph Ziggler, which was a match. There's so much sadness in this match. Uh, briefly, uh, Otis loves Mandy Rose and uh, Mandy Rose's partner, Sonia Deville, did not approve of this. So Sonia hires uh, Dolph to kind of like woo Mandy so she doesn't end up with Otis. This is supposed to be a six-man tag match. It is supposed to be the team of Dolph, Robert Roode, and Sonya versus Mandy and Heavy Machinery, Tucker and Otis. Mm -hmm. Uh, But... They couldn't have six people in the ring. No. Bobby Roode got the Rona. Bobby Roode got the Rona? He had to quarantine. I'm not sure if it's a confirmed case. He either had to quarantine or he couldn't get out of Canada. He might not have been able to get out of Canada. I know that that really dropped in scariness very quickly. <laughs> he has he has corona. He might have had corona. He might be in Canada. Yeah, I think he's fine. Yeah, I think he couldn't leave Canada. So they had to change the match to a one-on-one match, which is also sad because this is Dolph Ziggler's first one-on-one match at WrestleMania. That's true. Which is such a shame because he's great. And the idea that he's only been in like tag and multi-man matches at WrestleMania up until this point is really a shame. And he loses. He loses to Otis and it's a feel-good moment. And he ends up with Mandy and carries her off. Yeah, and they kiss and it's a horrible stage kiss. No, he opens his mouth. I know, that's why it's horrible. (laughs) Um, As... Anyone who has ever done a stage kiss can tell you, like, you have to talk about whether someone's going to open their mouths. Yeah. Um, That's not an on-the-fly, in-the-moment decision. No, and, like, you usually would have to rehearse that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Just because, like, otherwise it looks weird and awkward. And it looked weird and awkward. Like, she is so obviously keeping her mouth closed. Mm Mm-hmm. And he, like, tries to open his mouth. She's like, "Mm, no. No, no, no. (laughs) So, to me, like, I noticed that in the moment. And they already kind of have this odd couple thing of, like, she is very classically attractive. He is not very classically attractive. Um, So, when he tries to, like, go for more and she's like, no. It just kind of builds this, like, does she actually care about him? Yeah. It doesn't tell the story I think they're trying to tell. No. A lot gets lost in that awkward kiss moment. Yeah. The next one is crazy. It is the Edge versus Orton last man standing match. This is the number one match that I believe they should have canceled. Yeah. Okay. This is Edge's first match in nine years. He yes. had a neck surgery and a neck injury that was supposed to prevent him from wrestling ever again. And this is his big comeback. And it's in front of no fans. On top of that, the build to this was Randy Orton was like, hey, we should be a tag team again. And then stabs him in the back and brutally attacks his neck. Yeah. And his wife. And his wife. But like the the more like the reason I'm saying he brutally attacks his neck is they had a televised reason why Edge couldn't do this match. And they could just have done it later. Yeah. Like, yeah, Edge's neck is rebroken. We can't do it now. 
Edge may be injured out of an abundance of caution. We must cancel this match. Yeah. Like, like, and then that could also bring the, open the door of like, he can come back later. Yeah. He'll come back later or like Edge calls up someone from NXT and it's like, this is my champion. You know, you, you have to fight, I don't know, Keith Lee. I'm just picturing Johnny Gargano just waving like, I'm Johnny Gargano. Actually, you could have made a really good case for it to be Champa. Yeah, because they're actually boys, Edge and Champa. Because they had a similar neck injury. And the idea that they oh, yeah. both came back from that neck injury can be kind of like, you know, Champa under... You know, if the whole thing was... Randy kind of does the if I can't have you thing. Because mm-hmm. he talks about how much he loves Edge. He loves Edge more than his wife or children. Mm-hmm. Um, and the idea that, like, Edge has more of a connection with Champa. Yeah, this would be a great way to fix this. Because of how... They bonded over, you know, Champa went to Edge when he was injured and Edge helped him through it and they became friends. I think I'm friends with Edge. Mm-hmm. Uh, we watched the WWE 24 and Champa says like, I think, I think I'm friends with Edge. And it's just very endearing. <laughs> uh, but the match that happens is a last man standing match. You have to beat your opponent to the point where they cannot stand after 10 WWE seconds. So like 30 seconds. Would you be surprised to know this is the second longest match in WrestleMania history? I would not be surprised to know that. Is the only thing longer an Iron Man match? I, I believe it is the Shawn Michaels Bret Hart <laughs> Iron Man match. This felt long. And here's the thing, and I try to do this every episode. I think I can fix it. Okay. And this is one of those things where, like, if I really wanted to fix it, I'd cancel the match. Yeah. But if I'm not allowed to do that because game over rule and su- such like that. The problem with the last man standing match is it's really big move followed by a slow 10 count where the fans are like, oh, is he going to get back up? Is he going to, oh, they're on eight. Oh, oh, it's on nine. Without the fans there, this is pointless. Without the fans there and the idea of like, we know this was Mm pre-recorded. So, like, they could have taken breaks. Well, it's also important to note that there's a moment where they're fighting. They knock over a camera guy. And then they go into a storage area. Mm-hmm. And it's very clearly later. Yeah. Like, like, it's very clearly a break takes place here. Yeah, like, it's clearly, like, later at night. You can mm-hmm. kind of tell by, like, the lighting. Mm-hmm. And I, I say, oh, they're in the storage. Maybe we'll see the SmackDown fist. Little did I know how how correct I was. Have we explained Sting Powers in the podcast? No, I don't think we have. Okay. Uh, Sting Powers is this thing that started when Sting came back at summer at uh, Survivor Series, where one of the people who watches uh, WrestleMania with us, uh, whether it be myself, Lara, or some of our friends, will make a joke about something happened. Yes. And then our sting powers will make it so. Like, I joked that the great Kali was going to come back. And then there he was. I think I made a joke about Jinder Mahal winning the championship. And then there he goes. So, like, that It's was... like the secret, but terrible. Yeah. Only if you're being legitimately... If you're legitimately kidding. And it's a thing you don't think will ever happen. That's when it happens. In any case... Uh, this match ends with them on top of a trailer. Yeah. And uh, Randy Orton's going to go for his big, like, punt to the head. Yep. 
Edge hits a spear. Mm-hmm. Or, and then, like, this weird choke move that's, like, I've never seen Edge do before, but it's very close to, like, what Jake Hager is using in AEW, and he chokes out Randy Orton. Mm-hmm. And the ref starts to count, and Edge is like, no, 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 don't count. So he can set up a concerto. And he puts Edge's head on one of the chairs, and he has another chair, and he's going to sandwich Randy Orton's head. And he starts to cry because he was friends with Randy. And now he has to do this horrible thing to him in order to end this match. Except no, he doesn't. Because the ref could have just counted. Because the ref should have been counted because Orton is clearly unconscious at this point. Here is the very simple fix to this. Yeah. Edge comes back and says, I'm back. I am going to end my career on my terms. Mm-hmm. No one's going to say when I'm done except for me. Randy Orton then attacks Edge. He's like, no, I'm going to take this from you. I'm going to make sure you leave. The logical match here is an I quit match. This way, it would be Edge saying, I'm done. I quit. And then instead of every time there's a big move... Waiting nine long WWE sentences, uh, seconds, it's simply, do you quit? No. Match moves on. Yeah. That would honestly cut out 15 minutes of this match. Yeah, because it felt long. And the idea of Orton being conscious for the concerto and Edge being like, just quit. Don't make me do this. And Orton being like, you're going to have to destroy me if you want to win this match. Yeah. Makes so much more sense. And also, instead of 10 seconds where they're silently looking at each other, they'd constantly be talking. The fact that they are silently beating each other up for almost an hour is insanity. Yeah. If they gave them the motivation to be like, quit, give up. It would fill up so much space of that emptiness that this match was. My favorite part of the match was when there was clearly people who realized they were in shot, dodging out of the way. Yeah, there was like weird employees just be, like some were photographers, and then other people were just like, "Oh, I'm catering." I don't want to be <laughs> people in this. were like, "Shouldn't I be able to work from home?" At this point, <laughs> yeah. Why am I here? So yeah, th- this match should not have happened. This match, unfortunately, is really bad. Because, like, I didn't mention this, but there's a moment where uh, Orton strangles Edge with, like, gym equipment. Yeah. Like, a week after the Chris Benoit documentary had come out. Ooh. So, every wrestling fan was just filled with bad feelings. Yeah. Uh, The next one's the 24-7 match. Oh, yeah. Uh... Mojo Raleigh is has to defend this title 24-7, so he's chased by people. I couldn't tell you a single one of those humans that is chasing Mojo Raleigh at this point. Uh, people who had not yet gone home for quarantine. But, like, like none of them are, like, wrestlers you would know. No. Uh, Rob Gronkowski jumps off of a balcony, the same balcony that... Elias was thrown from, and we were believed he had died. Right. 
Grunk jumps from. And is fine. And is fine. Pins Mojo Rawley and runs away. Wins the 24-7 championship. He's got the belt. He's our current 24-7 championship. Uh, I heard that he deflated some of the wrestlers. wrestlers so that would be easier <laughs> to catch. So the next thing is the Raw Tag Team Championship. It was the Street Profits versus Angel Garza and Austin Theory. Cancel this match. Cancel it. Just cancel it. This was supposed to be the Street Profits versus the Authors of Pain. And then one of the Authors of Pain got hurt. Mm -hmm. And then it was uh, the Street Profits versus Angel Garza and uh, Andrade. Andrade. Because Andrade was supposed to fight Rey Mysterio, but Rey Mysterio had to be quarantined. Mm -hmm. So now that's going to be the match. They're plugging holes. And then Andrade breaks a rib. Yeah. And now Austin Theory from NXT shows up, who has never appeared on Raw. Yeah. And they still keep Zelina Vega. Who's Andrade's manager. Yes. And also Angel Garza's manager, kind of. But... Like, I don't care enough about any of these people at this point because there's been no build and nothing makes sense. Like, had, like, had the COVID thing not happened, Austin Theory would not have been in the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. Yeah. For him to end up in this He position, would not have been in Tampa. Yeah, like, there's an episode of South Park. Yeah. Where uh, Stan is coasting uh, or trying to coach a hockey team. Mm-hmm. And one of the kids is sick and he's been, the sick kid just wants them to win a game. Right. So Stan has all this momentum to try to get them to win a game for this poor sick kid. But the other team doesn't show up. So they have to play the Detroit Red Wings. So they get obliterated. That is the situation Austin Theory is in. Okay. He is a little, he is a peewee hockey player playing the Detroit Red Wings. Yeah, he, he does is, not belong there. He is a 21-year-old, and he's a great athlete. He's a 21-year-old that's been on NXT for maybe two months, and now he's in WrestleMania. Yeah, he doesn't belong. Like, he doesn't make sense to be here. Like not He's he- not even the first person in NXT you would think of. This is his rise through the WWE is more ridiculous than your create a character in any 2K game. It makes no sense, and I hate it. This match is fine, but there's no way I can get invested in it. Yeah, the cool thing that happens at the end is uh, the Street Profits retain, and Zelina Vega and uh, Garza and Theory attack the Street Profits. And Bianca Belair comes out and just starts beating up Selena Vega. Yeah. she. There's a great reaction gif of her husband uh, coming into the ring, sliding in. Mm-hmm. Um, and they leave with Bianca Belair on their shoulders. Yeah. And it's like, kind of a nice moment. Yeah, it's a cool little moment for, you know, uh, Bianca and her husband and her husband's tag team partner. Mm-hmm. And like, just like a nice little... It would have been a cool moment with an audience. It would have been a very nice moment with an audience. Um, I like Bianca Belair a lot. She is a lot. I love her like ridiculous. Just like every time she uses uh, her hair as a weapon, 
I just think Bianca used hair whip. It's very effective. Surprisingly effective. Uh, the next one's the SmackDown Women's Championship. Yes. This was a five-way match. Yeah, which... Bailey versus Sasha Banks versus Lacey Evans uh, versus Naomi versus Tamina Snuka. This was also supposed to have Dana Brooke in it, but she had to be quarantined. I like that every match is... This was supposed to have X in it, yeah. but they're quarantined. And honestly, the fact that that match is going to happen pokes some holes in my whole intercontinental title idea. But in any case... Uh, Basically, what this feels like is we were supposed to have a build towards a Sasha Bailey match. Yeah. And they couldn't do it. So they did this. And we all this match does is sow the seeds for a future Sasha versus Bailey match. Yes. In terms of that, it's uh it's a good match. Yeah. But like WrestleMania matches should be exclamation points at the end of sentences, not commas yeah i mean and they've been teasing and building banks and bailey for so long yeah this is an ellipses it's they're the will they or won't they of the wwe only instead of a romance it's a will they or won't they eventually beat the ever-loving crap out of each other yeah uh bailey win. i i like bailey i like bailey i like a lot of the women in this match i like that bailey's new style is uh, girl who is disappointed that my chemical romance tour might be, get canceled. Like, <laughs> she is so emo. And it's also like... Her entrance music really should have become Welcome to the Black Parade. It's also Look Mom, I'm Different now. Yeah. Because it's her old gear with stuff crossed out. Yeah. And then fabric that represents the dead Bailey buddies. Yeah. It's Her gimmick is the equivalent of the old Taylor can't come to the phone right now. Why? Oh, because she's dead. Yes. Very it's not true. a phase, Mom. It's not a phase. It's who I am now. Um, and that takes us to our main event for this. No, it doesn't. I, I consider this the main event. Oh, okay. John Cena versus Bray Wyatt Firefly Funhouse match. This, this was bananas. <laughs> Alright, so this is the one we're going to have to talk about the most. Uh, I'll try to break down what the hell happens here. John Cena comes out and is weirded out by the fact there are no fans. He says, welcome to WrestleMania when it gets cut with like spooky scary stuff. And like a super cut of people in the past going welcome to WrestleMania. Yes. Of like Vince McMahon and Macho Man Randy Savage and other like yes, legends. I think. Uh, and then we have Bray Wyatt in the Firefly Funhouse with a sign on the door that says, uh, Abandon all hope, ye who exit here. Which is cute. Yeah, it's a reference to hell. Yeah. And but the idea of like, this is a safe place. Uh, yeah, and outside here is bad. And he says, uh, you're going to fight your greatest opponent tonight, John Cena. Yourself. Bum, bum, bum. And then exits, and then John Cena magically appears. And he kind of looks around the Firefly Funhouse, and then he exits until he... And then he's wandering around in the dark until a Vince McMahon puppet tells him that he needs to show ruthless aggression or else he's fired. Yep. What happens next, I'm not sure if you got this, 
but they reenact John Cena's debut. Yes, I did get this. Okay. Bray Wyatt takes the spot of Kurt Angle. Because when John Cena debuted, Kurt Angle had an open challenge to anyone to come out. And out came John Cena, the prototype. And Kurt asks him, what is the one thing that you have that thinks you can fight Kurt Angle? John Cena says, ruthless aggression! And punches him in the mouth. So this time, it's Bray Wyatt in the ring saying this. Yeah. Out comes John Cena, the prototype, in his orange and blue gear, yep. in front of the SmackDown fist. Yep, because you just willed that into being. And he comes out and he says, ruthless aggression, and Bray Wyatt just ducks. Yeah. And he repeatedly swings and misses. Yeah. And he keeps just saying ruthless aggression and swinging, and Bray's like, this is really embarrassing for you. And then he swings and he misses. And then he sings the Bella, uh, Nikki Bella's theme song. You can look, but you can't touch. Rubbing it in his face that his fiance left him. Yes. Uh, That's my ankles. Uh, So after some whiffs here and there. It suddenly becomes Saturday night main event. Which was my big beef with this, because this should have been, they should have switched this and the Boneyard match. And just made this be Saturday? It should have been Saturday night's main event, because they were doing all the Saturday night main event gimmick. That would have been funny. That does make sense. Yeah, like it's a very simple thing. Uh, They're in front of the big blue orange cage that they used to have. And John Cena comes out. And is lifting weights, like, super, super hard. And super fast. Like, cartoonishly fast. fast. And, like, he's saying Macho Man lines about how, like, the cream rises to the top. Yeah. And he lifts so much weight that his arms become paralyzed. They become noodles. Like, in Kung Pao, enter the fist. Yes. And he's trying to hit Bray by just turning his hips fast enough that his arms will flop up. Uh... At which point, Bray grabs him and shoves him and turns him into Rapper Cena, who then goes out and uh, does some rap lyrics on Bray Wyatt. Yes. Uh, And there's a very important moment here, because I have two possible interpretations of what all this means. Okay. Uh, Bray Wyatt's, like, hurt by some of the words that... uh, Cena says. Calls him fat. Calls him fat. He calls him Husky Harris. Uh, and he gives John Cena the floor to do something. And John Cena recycles an old line of, I'm going to put my nuts on your face and holds up like a bag of peanuts. Yeah, in the best product placement of the year. But there's like a moment where he's like thinking. And then he does that, which I think might be important. Okay. And he throws the nuts at him, then he goes to attack Bray Wyatt. Bray Wyatt disappears, and they go back to when they fought for the first time at WrestleMania. Yes. And how this is the moment that, like, Bray was, like, off the rails. He had everything, and then Cena beat him and ruined it. Yeah. And they... And they go over, like, him trying to convince Cena to hit him with the chair and finish him. Yeah. And so they do that again. And he tells, like, Cena, do what you need to do. Hit me. 
And Cena actually swings this time, and Bray disappears. Yes. Uh, then uh, it cuts to WCW Nitro. Yes. And Cena bursts out in a New World Order shirt. An NWO shirt to the NWO music. And uh, an NWO hat. And then he goes to attack Bray Wyatt. And like takes him down and starts punching him. And then he turns... Bray Wyatt disappears and becomes a puppet. <laughs> like a pig puppet replaces him. Huskis the pig. Yes. And then the fiend shows up behind him, puts a mandible claw on him. And while the fiend has the mandible claw on him, Bray Wyatt counts the three. Yeah. The idea is that they're both there. Uh, The fiend stands up victorious. And then John Cena kind of blinks out of existence. And then we just go to Titus O'Neil. And then we go to Titus O'Neil, who's baffled. I have no idea what I just saw. So what did you think you just saw? Um, I think it is ultimate fan service. Okay. It is, think about it, it's the SmackDown fist, it's main event. Usually WrestleMania is, quote, for casuals. This was the nostalgia fuel. Yeah. Because Saturday night had Taker and Goldberg. This show didn't really have any of those nostalgia things. True. Outside of maybe Edge. Yeah, they, it also had it. Um, but I think this was like a really cool performance art match. It was a love letter to wrestling history in a lot of weird mm-hmm. ways. And it was John Cena cementing where his place in wrestling history was. Ooh, that's an interesting thought. So I think that, uh, to me, uh, I look at things like a historian because it's a lot mm-hmm. of what I do now. Because um, my life took me in a very strange direction. But I'm looking at it as it's his way of kind of putting here is where I am. It's It also kind of felt like a time travel, like montage mm-hmm. of like, this is John Cena in the the uh, Nitro era. This is John Cena in main event. Okay. Because, well, the one thing, I don't know about it, like, cementing his legacy. Because John Cena in the build says, I'm going to do what I should have done six years ago. And erase the most irrelevant superstar, most overhyped irrelevant superstar in WWE history. And that sound clip plays right before Bray beats him. Yeah. So it's the kind of the idea is that is exactly what happened. But that person is you, John. But I think um, this match is going to be remembered. Yeah, for sure. Um, And we don't get these anymore. We don't get these kinds of like... Weird, hokey, what the hell did I just watch matches from WWE? No, we certainly We get them sometimes from TNA, we'll get them sometimes from AEW, but we don't get them from WWE. Mm -hmm. Um, We don't get these weird, ridiculous, campy, crazy things. And I think this was this, this idea that maybe like John Cena does not spend a lot of time in WWE anymore. True. This might have been what he wanted to come back for. Mm-hmm. Of like, I want to do something crazy and memorable and have this unorthodox WrestleMania moment for this unorthodox WrestleMania. Yeah. That's true. I enjoyed the crap out of this. My, I have, 
two theories. One, I think this may have been subtly setting up Cena versus Hogan. I could definitely see that because they put Cena in Hogan's place a lot. Mm -hmm. And also like during like the Saturday Night Main Event thing, uh, they say things like, what you going to do when John Cena runs all all over you? Yeah. Like there was some very Hogan-like comments in here that I was just like, is this like, is the point of this The Fiend telling Cena the only way you, the only thing you haven't done is beat Hogan. You've done everything else, so you have to beat Hogan. The other interpretation that I hear a lot of other people say is it is Cena dealing with all of his insecurities. Yeah. The loss of Nikki Bella, his fear when he first debuted, mm-hmm. his, his time where he thought that he just could only be a bodybuilder, and his fear of turning heel. Yeah. Upon watching this again, it is entirely about Cena's refusal to turn heel. Yeah. Like, there's the moment where he doesn't swing the chair at Bray. Uh, There's that moment where he gives Cena the stage and he does a little kid rhyme instead of, like, something really impactful. Right. Something really heelish. And then the greatest heel turn of all time is Hogan. And, like, it reinvented him. It made him relevant again. Cena is not relevant without a heel turn, is kind of the message of this. So my real guess is Cena will return evil. I definitely can see that. Especially because if you think about it, Cena was the next Hogan. Mm -hmm. As far as cultural impact, I would actually argue that in some ways... Like, Cena made it further into adult culture than Hogan did by being in adult movies. Most of what Hogan did in his film career were movies aimed at children. Yeah, that it's in starring aspects, at least. Yeah, so I'm... Like, they were wrestlers who became pop culture phenomenon, but were still mostly wrestlers. Like, I'm not mm. going to put The Rock in there because he's The Rock, but people... Yeah, he's got that rock. Well... Kids nowadays, you could ask the kids and they'd probably be like, what What was The Rock before he was a movie star? I don't know. A <laughs> lot of kids probably don't know that Rock was a wrestler. Yeah, it's possible. So, I think that's definitely... Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Cena's definitely like the Hogan of 30 years later. Mm-hmm. How, how great will it be if John Cena came back healed? Mm-hmm. And he cuts a promo something along the lines of, I gave everything to you people. And then when I fought Bray Wyatt, where were you? Where were all of you? And everyone would just be like, we, we weren't allowed to be there. There was a plague. And he just blames us for not being there. I could dig that. It was plague, John. We could. No, you abandoned me. No! <laughs> this isn't about you. Now we have the actual main event. This was Lesnar versus McIntyre. We watched this with some friends through the magic of the internet. Yes. And uh, 
My buddy Alex was like, how is there going to be more after that? And I was like, this is going to be like some German suplexes and a Claymore kick, and that's going to be it. That is exactly what this was. And you joked it was going to be seven moves, and it was three German suplexes and four Claymore kicks. Well, there's also three F5s. So, so that's that's more than... That's ten moves? Yeah. Might be. That's <laughs> all right. But... Uh, I can count. I'm not I, a math major. Here's the main thing I want to take away from this. Drew McIntyre wins the Universal title here. There are two main titles in WWE. There's the WWE title, which Braun beat the legendary Goldberg to win his first major championship at WrestleMania. Yep, yep. And Drew McIntyre, who beat the legend of Brock Lesnar in the main event of WrestleMania to win the Universal title for the first time. Yes. Or the WWE title for the first time. It is really heartbreaking to have these two guys who dreamed of this moment their entire life. Yeah. To reach the top of the mountain. And they do it at WrestleMania. But not only do they do it in front of no fans, they do it in something that I wouldn't even call a wrestling match. Yeah. Like, both matches last less than five minutes. And, like, there's this weird thing that in Brock matches that I hate, where Brock Lesnar hits you with three moves... Your opponent kicks out, and then he gets frustrated. He's like, "How is this happening? You didn't, you didn't do anything." Yeah, this wasn't the hard one, Daniel Bryan, WrestleMania. Yeah, like where you were just with him for the journey. Like, imagine uh, we watched the WWE Chronicle on this, and uh, Drew McIntyre at the end of that Chronicle cuts this incredible promo. Yeah, a beautiful just, promo. I would call it one of the, like, if he had been allowed to do it in a ring, it would be one of the memorable, great all-time promos. Mm -hmm. There's a saying in Scotland, what's for you will no go by you. What's meant to be will be. It's hard to put the experience of the last few months into words. The elation of victory. The bitter taste of disappointment. The realization that everything can change overnight. Through it all, I have gained something far greater. Perspective. In my place as a competitor and an entertainer. In my place as a husband. In my place in the world. Over the last few months, I've been embraced and lifted up in ways I didn't think were possible by our community and our fans. And trust me, I've felt your cheers in every fiber of my body. If I can give a moment of relief, a brief moment of joy in the darkness, then everything I've given to get to this point has been more than worth it. This was meant to be a redemption story. However, the redemption will not just be mine, but our community as a whole and our way of life. The last 19 years have prepared me for my WrestleMania moment, but it's not the moment I dreamt of as a boy. My WrestleMania moment will not have the roar of the crowd or the fireworks, it will be something bigger. And while you might not be there in person, I will feel you the same way I felt you in Houston and Brooklyn. 
and all over the world. It won't be my WrestleMania moment. It will be our moment. Uh, I got legitimate chills. Yeah. And it was what that whole build was missing. Yeah. Because he, for some reason, just doesn't get to talk very much. I mean, until we watched that Chronicle, I I was going to ask you, who is Drew McIntyre? Like, give me something about him that you know. He's Scottish. He's Scottish and he's tall. Yeah. But, like, that Chronicle made me be like, oh, I believe in this dude. Yeah. That Chronicle did a better job of building that match than anything they did since Royal Rumble. Yeah. Because, like, since Royal Rumble, all Drew McIntyre did was, like, win some matches and bother Brock Lesnar. Yep. And, like, bothering Brock Lesnar's great and all. Mm Mm-hmm. But there needs to be more than that. It doesn't make you special. Yeah, like, I can go bother Brock Lesnar. It's just... It's really disappointing to think that, like, these are, like I said, these are, should be the end of sentences that should be exclamation points. And the fact that, like, you couldn't even have a match, really. Like, there's no favorite moment from those matches. No. It's just they started and then they happened and then they ended. It's really disappointing for WrestleMania. And there's also this whole issue of, like, granted, it would have been. Roman instead of Braun. But I don't know if those matches would have been remarkably different. No. Without the COVID issue. No. It probably wouldn't have been. It's very disappointing. Yeah. This is a weird one. That's kind of why we wanted to talk about it. Because it's such a strange oddity. And uh, we're bummed because we were supposed to be in the Paley Center this weekend. Yeah. Uh, so that's going to be put off until God knows when. Yeah, it's it's a real bummer. But the the story of WrestleMania this year will be remembered forever because I remember watching the press conference where the Florida government, the, the governor came out and said, all events in Tampa have been canceled except, and then he had to like look for, through his notes, WrestleMania? We are having a discussion about that. Yes. Because Vince didn't want to cancel it. And that begs the big question, should he have? I really loved the Boneyard match and the Firefly Funhouse match. And we would not have gotten those. There's no way we would have gotten uh, them showing essentially movies Mm -hmm. at WrestleMania. And I can't see those matches being better in the ring. Um, so that's a shame. Overall, I think the rest of the show really suffered from the lack of an audience. And damn, it needed, they needed to hire somebody to score it. It needed Mm. under music. Yeah. Because the silence is so unnerving in Mm. so many points. And I think that's one of the things that made, uh, Boneyard and Firefly so much better is they had music instead of commentary. Yeah. Like, both of those... And I know, like, the music would make it inauthentic. Like, it wouldn't feel like wrestling anymore to have background music. I mean, the, I when I think of, like, the way they did music in the arena, I remember I used to go to... I used to be a lacrosse fan. Okay. And I used to go to Philadelphia Wings games. 
And they used to just play music the whole time during the game. Yeah. And it wasn't like to the beat. It was just, hey, here's some jock jams while while this match is happening. That's really all we needed. I believe they did that during like we we went to a minor league baseball game with Chikara. Yes. And they did that the whole time. That was actually a delightful evening. Just had some tunes. If we have a summer this year, go to your local minor league baseball game. Yeah. They're really fun. So, uh, give it a verdict. Or do you want me to go first? I really want to stay doomed it, but I hate to lose the Firefly Funhouse match and the Boneyard match. Yeah, I I think there's three ways to look at it. In terms of this being a very difficult time, having something distracting and entertaining on this level to look forward to and watch, it's got to be a stay tuned. Because it's great to have that. In terms of a, man, this was a really unnecessary risk. And the fact that you have people watching it thinking, well, they're all fine. Yeah. Why can't I go outside? It has to be a stay doomed. Right. But if you look at it as a media and the idea of like, if the choice was would I want this WrestleMania or normal WrestleMania? Just from a pure entertainment point of view, I would want the normal WrestleMania. Absolutely. As as great as the Boneyard match was and as great as the Firefly Funhouse was, yeah. But there's so much in this WrestleMania that just didn't make sense and like didn't matter and was just confusing and it didn't have the glitz and the glamour and all that good stuff. And it didn't have the emotional punch in a lot of places either. Uh. But from an entertainment point of view, would I rather have this WrestleMania or nothing? It's almost hard to say. I I think if they'd actually just committed to doing them all in weird locations, <laughs> yeah. Um, if they like, if they'd done one night, fewer matches, just done the matches that actually mattered. And had them all be these kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I- I'm going to go weird here. This could have been WWE's 21 short films about Springfield. <laughs> it could have been. That was, that's an interesting way to say Like, it could have been really interesting to make this just a bunch of short skeleton crew films. I hear you, but I also think the fact that there was only one per night is what made them special. I can agree with that. I I think it would have been smarter to have like... Th- there was a match they used to do called the Lion's Den. Mm-hmm. And it was basically like a UFC cage that they would like move to... A, like it didn't happen in the ring, but it happened in the arena in like a different area. Having stuff like that where it's like, hey, this at least looks different yeah, would have been They good. should have had a cage match. They really should have had a cage match. But I think the, the, the question I'm trying to bring up here is, though, they cancel slash postpone WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. The effects, of, like, what are the repercussions of that? You don't get Drew and Brock until it's in front of a crowd. That's great. Okay. Goldberg probably has to vacate the title. That's fine. He beats the fiend, and then no one beats him, and uh, there's some bad stuff there too. Eh. So, like, it's it's an unanswerable question. 
So in the end, I will give it a stay tuned because from what I saw, I enjoyed despite all of its problems. Yeah, I think I probably would have gone stay doomed, but for Drew McIntyre's promo at the end of that Chronicle. Yeah. Uh, he changed my mind right before we recorded this. Really? Because uh, he really sold that WrestleMania's existence through his own storyline, where he talked about, like, this isn't just my journey, this isn't just my redemption, it's the redemption of our lifestyle, it's the redemption of our hope. And I was like, well, damn. So I'm going to have to also give it a stay tuned. All right. That's Slightly begrudgingly. <laughs> yeah, I feel that. I feel that. What are we watching next week? Uh, next week we are doing Mina and the Count. Like which I promised. believe we said we were going to do three weeks ago. Um, if this sounds different, we've moved. Yes. And we have higher ceilings in the new place. Yeah, which I'm a little concerned about, but we'll see. Um, so we we took a couple weeks off to move uh, because we had to, you know, move house during a global pandemic. Yeah, we're settled that, that in. Was super fun, let me tell you. We're settled in. We're happy in our new place. Um, but, you know, to... It's our new studio. Yeah. And home. <laughs> and uh, where can people find us? Uh, you can find us at the Stay Doomed Show at gmail.com or on Facebook and Twitter at Stay Doomed. Uh, normally at this point I would say where can you see us live, but guess what? We don't we don't know what's happening. Yeah, we don't have any dates in the books and you don't either. Yeah, we have no idea. So if you want to see me live, I'm on Twitch. Twitch.tv slash plus two comedy. And there's currently nowhere to see me live. Uh, no. You can't <laughs> see me live right now. There just yeah, isn't. She, she's, she's, this is the closest you're going to get. So listen to our podcast. Yeah, this is just, we're not doing uh, any live shows at this time. Uh, if you happen to be a duck at the park, that's the best way yeah, to see me live. Yeah. We have big duck fans. And if you want to talk to me about my new wrestling show, Chikara's Action Arcade, available on independentwrestling.tv and Chikaratopia Saturdays at 11 a.m., I'm at TV's Noah. If you want to talk to me about performance art and wrestling, I'm at Priorities. Until next time, stay doomed.